Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice in My Mind. So now we are in 2023, and one of the things that um, I'm not a New Year's resolution guy, just because no, never one, it's, it, it's cliche. It yep. It just it's not my thing. But I do try to I do try to say okay, these are some things I want to work on. Yeah, not that's setting fair. a firm goal. Right. Um, but one of the things I want to work on is um, more time for gaming itself, which is one of yeah. the reasons we've talked about doing some adjustments to our schedule. Yep. Yep. And I just, I find that I'm finding it more interesting reading up more on a duet type of gaming. Right. I just picked up that book about the solo gamer that mm-hmm. came out from Odysseus. Yep. Um, and there's stuff in that book that's interesting that could be used if you're going to do duet gaming. Absolutely. And the idea of, I, I don't know if you encountered this when you would, you're, 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 you are really well organized and I don't, I'm not making fun. I'm saying this seriously. Not you're really well organized and you organize well when you, when you prepped to GM us when we played Star Wars sure. Into the Empire. Sure. I like to be that way, but I'm not always that way. And then I fall into... Uh, I fall into a mud hole because I'm never as prepared as I want to be to game. And then I set myself up for being disappointed with how I play. Yeah. And one of the things I was thinking about, and it's, it's a good time to do it because we're going to be talking with someone about this tonight. That's just what happens. What are some ways to make it easier to GM? Well, you know, I appreciate uh, the observation in terms of prepping for you and Brian back back when, but but the reality is a lot of the times I've GM'd uh, like for my daughters, for my daughters and their cousins, that type of thing. Even even some of the stuff like you and I did subsequently. It, it, obviously, as we've talked about, it's been infrequent in both directions. But there really were a lot of times where I was, to my thinking, not adequately prepared i had a bit of backstory from the last session and i'd maybe spent 15 or 20 minutes putzing around with characters npcs specifically with some connections to just general ideas maybe grabbed a few jpegs online that i could use to share honestly brad the though that session that i prepped for you two several years ago now is without question the most prepared I've ever been to GM anything. Yeah, but even still, like you said, I mean, even when you're saying you didn't ton of didn't do a ton of prep, prep is prep. Um and both of us like stretching our creative abilities. Yep. Um yep. and and so doing this is an exercise, not only in just entertainment, but it's also, a, a, I guess, a, correct me if I'm wrong, it's really an effect, an intellectual exercise as well, even though it is for a yeah. activity. Um, but oh, yeah. one of the first things I did when I started, when we started looking at doing this a number of years ago, um, I was looking for ways to make it easier for me because I had never, mm-hmm. never mastered, I never GM DM the game. 
Right. Neither did you. Neither, when, when we were Oh, not up. before. No, no, never. No. And I started looking on online, and that's when I found D&D Duet. Yep. Um, Jonathan and Beth Ball's website. Mm-hmm. And then I started looking at Amazon, because who doesn't look there? Um, yeah, it's, and a, I it's found a problem. These, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't kidding. Just remind me when we're done here recording. I'm going to show you a couple pictures of some things from oh, Amazon. Man. Um, but I just, I am, I was so interested when I started finding Jeff Ashworth's book, Yep, which we talked with him in the past about. Great, great guest and beautiful books, books that now have spun off with Media Lab into an entire series beyond yeah. just Jeff's work. Yes. And then, um, material that I saw was like random tables. How do you... You know, this yeah. idea of random tables. How does that work? <laughs> yeah, how did, it harkens back to the Choose Your Own Adventure days. Remember the Choose Your Own Adventure books? Oh, very um, well. It reminds me of rolling and picking. Yeah. And and yeah. helping me to develop campaigns or one-shot stories that way. Mm-hmm. And so for a long time, I've had, well, I, I picked up a number of these these random table books. But yep. for a long time, I, been, I think I've talked to you about having Matt Davidson who is the author of a bunch of those books that you picked up right from the beginning. Yeah. Including the no prep game master. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great little neat, book. Neat little book that's yep. really affordable on Amazon. No prep game master. I, I think, I think what uh, we, I checked, I looked at it a couple days ago and it was like, I don't quote me, but it was like $8 or something. It was like yeah. inexcusable not to, buy it it's just so readable and i mean well as you'll hear in our upcoming podcast our upcoming interview it definitely got me thinking i think it got you thinking too yeah it's it's it was we'll talk with him about that Mm -hmm. but he also not only did he develop these materials but he's developed um the anarchy Um, rpg yep um and He's a he's. I mean, he writes even outside of this, and he's still actively gaming. Yeah, um, he's an active author, and he he started that little company. What's that called again? Dice Geeks. Oh shoot! I, I, you were staring at me. I thought you. I no, thought no, was I was a, kidding. I was no. I, I thought there was a. I was waiting for the punchline. Oh no, there was no punchline. Literally, okay. literally, right? He started this blog and and this full company. Um, yeah. And it's very high profile. I mean, who really hasn't encountered Dice Geeks in the RPG world online? Yeah, DiceGeeks.com. If you're yeah. interested in his material, yeah, you can go out there and see the books. You can go on Amazon, but he has yeah. a list mm-hmm. of his materials. He has the new novel he released mm-hmm. out there in terms of you know, you know information. And, and, and it so turns on. out, and I mean, I know we say this about a lot of our guests because it's been true, but Matt really is the nicest guy. Oh, just a, just a pleasure with him to talk and and when you'd listen to him um i guess we're talking now as if i guess we're not talking like we have an interview is that what, is that what we're doing? Well, we have interviewed him yeah yes. i know but i thought yes, we were okay. pretending we were Ke- no no but, catch up brad catch up okay sorry uh, sorry sorry people to, we're, we're, we're working pretend, on a new format i have to pretend that i'm talking on the day of release but i i don't have to pretend that we have an interview right because real podcasts with any production value record their interviews ahead of time, which, which is we why always I'm on, have. Yeah, which is why I am on no other podcast than this one. Yeah, so, that's why. Let's go with yeah. that. Okay. Um, but no, no, no. It, he is truly, as you talk to him, 
one of the one of the first things that came to mind is he's truly an ambassador for tabletop. That's a really good way to put it. He, mm-hmm. If you listen to him, you can hear the passion in how mm-hmm. he talks mm-hmm. about it in in times of his um, gaming. And in fact, you you saw this in the um, uh, acknowledgments or the inside the book of inside yes. his novel. Oh, that's yeah. so good. I, to, my, I, to my six-year-old self. Sorry um, it took so long. We're yeah. paraphrasing. And I, I saw that. I thought, oh, man, who, that, that so resonates. That so resonates. Yeah. So, I mean, just, just a really nice guy. Great interview. There's some really good material that we'll talk about afterwards. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a real ambassador for the game not that everyone he he has he he is truly like like our other guests where you come out of that thinking one and two you come out of a a, a chat like that wanting to game I, that's exactly what i was going to say it's it's so true you we uh we ended the call and it's like oh man i wish we had time tonight mm-hmm. to game to just let's get into it and let's use some of some of matt's tables some of matt's books yeah. Yeah. Well, I think with that, it's a good time, a good point to hop on over to our interview with Matt Davids. Matt Davids is a writer, a creator of tabletop role-playing game resource books, a novelist, a podcast host, and a former filmmaker. He is the author of the Amazon bestsellers, The Book of Random Tables, and The Book of Random Tables Quests. His first novel, The Spaceport Gambit, was released in June 2021. He lives in Missouri with his wife and their four children. His bookshelves grown under the weight of classic literature, science fiction, and fantasy. He enjoys playing Dungeons and Dragons, studying cinema and philosophy, and knows more about 80s post-apocalyptic movies than any reasonable person should. So we were talking right before we hit the record button about my um, addiction to um, finding ways to, to make things as a new DM easier. And so when I first started searching online, I found a book called The No Prep Game Master. And then I found Random Tables books. And then I found a website. And then I found <laughs> Matt Davids. And Matt's been able to, well, I found the books before. We know who Matt was. But Matt, thanks for taking the time. It's yes. been, this has been one I've been wanting to, I've been wanting to talk with you for a while just because of how important your material has been for me yeah. to learn as a gamer. Oh, uh, thank you so much for the invitation to come and talk with you guys. Yeah. And and just to, to clarify that, when Brad says, Matt, that that he's wanted to talk to you for a while, like literally since we started recording our first episodes almost two years ago, your name has been coming up almost from day one. Thanks for taking it way over the line past creepy. But true, but true. <laughs> no, but yeah, seriously, just because of, mm-hmm. Jason and I are both, we both are numbers guys and, and we work in data in certain areas, different realms. And so mm-hmm. the idea of working with tables and things yeah, like that, yeah. just to allow, then that allows us to unleash kind of the creativity in other areas Yeah, um, is really cool. So I, I got to ask, because obviously if you go out to mattdavids.com, we'll have all this information um, in the show notes and you can see all your writing and all the material you've worked on podcasts and so on. How did you, you know, let's go back to like the, after, after the womb and everything, how did you get into <laughs> gaming in itself? 
I, well, I don't want to go all the way back to the beginning of time. I'm talking about just gaming. Jason's okay. giving me a funny look. <laughs> Yeah. No. Um, well, I mean, I was introduced to gaming a lot of like a lot of guys my age. It was Dungeons and Dragons. I was like nine years old. It was 1982 or 1983. Um, my older brother, his buddy was like um, uh, had Dungeons and Dragons or, or something like that. And we were going over to his house and they said, hey, we're going to play the greatest game ever. And I was just like, <laughs> well, that sounds good to me. I don't know. That's I don't cool. have no idea what it is. And um seriously you know they gave me a pre-gen character and seriously i was hooked instantly right wow. like uh dungeons and dragons um uh i i don't know what it is about the tabletop role-playing game you know kind of specifically dungeons and dragons that it just hooked me like i was built to play that right like i yeah. it was just the hooks were in instantly and um i mean i went right home and started trying to, you know, uh, make characters or, you know, roll up dungeons. And like the next day I ran my mom through a dungeon. She had no idea what I was doing, you know, um, or anything like that. And I, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I just remembered it was something like you roll a 14 and hit. I don't even know what those rules were, you know, and I didn't have a 20 sided dice, of course. So I wrote all the the numbers on a scrap of paper, right. And tore them up and put them in a, in a bag or, or a hat or something, whatever it was and wow. pulled out the numbers and, wow. um, so yeah, it was just right there. I mean, I was just into it um like instantly. And so um did that for a long time. Uh, but we can uh well, kind of I I I never played by the rules, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um because I, I really couldn't digest some of the rules even when I started getting some of the books and that. Yeah. Um, but it was still a ton of fun. But yeah, we can follow up on that. So that was that was the beginning way back when. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it sounds to me like we come from kind of the same generation because I was around the same age in the same time period, like Jason. Mm -hmm. Well, we're all rocking approximately the same amount of grace, so I'm going to imagine that we're not too far away from each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably. Probably Gen X. Um, yeah, absolutely. How did you end up? So now, obviously, you know, gaming's in your DNA. How did that kind of cross with writing? And I know you even have done work in the I mean, writing, Video podcasting, well, right, so. screenwriting, yeah. filmmaking. I mean, pretty diverse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, like I said, you know, um, it was just that something with that desire to tell stories, I guess, with Dungeons and Dragons, because and it just touched in me. And really, it really inspired me to kind of go on. And so, yeah, when I just wanted to tell stories, I wanted to entertain people. Of course, I became... Uh, you know, the dungeon master right away. Uh, I became a game master for, uh, you know, a number of groups because, you know, especially back then, you know, not a lot of people had heard of role-playing games. And so I had some of the books and I said, Hey, do you want to play a game? Well, then I'm the dungeon master or I'm the game master. Right, so, right. um, just that desire to tell stories, I guess. So yeah. Then when I went to college, I was just like, I want to keep telling stories. So I went into screenwriting and, uh, some filmmaking and, I I did some of that. Um, uh, usually, it's a a little bit of a you know a sad story, but <laughs> in some cases. But um, uh, uh, I wanted to do some things in that, and so it became kind of hard to put uh, food on the table doing that. So I, I right. looked around and switched 
you know, kind of things up and um, did some other things for a while, but, uh, you know, really started working on websites. But I mean, you ask about writing. Writing was kind of always there, right? It was just always in the background. Um, even though I have, you know, quite a few uh, learning disabilities, I always wanted to write. I wanted to tell people, you know, I wanted to tell stories for people. I wanted to entertain people. I wanted to share um, ideas and create worlds and stuff. So that was just kind of a just an outpouring of all of that. And, and that's, of course, what led me into creating uh, Dice Geeks uh, eventually, uh, even though it took a while. You, you, you actually beat me to that. And I, because this is so fascinating, I just want to read this from the Dice Geeks site. site. Think of Dice Geeks as the last in before the wilderness or the first spaceport after a long jump. I mean, you already have me, right? That's just, <laughs> that's awesome. So, so, can you what was the genesis of dice geeks i mean that's that's very well known it's another kind of thing i mean that's a far cry from a random table um yeah uh like the website dice geeks yeah yeah and and my company really yeah exactly yeah the genesis behind all of that really um uh it, it really came out of um well, of course, you know, my love of tabletop role-playing games. So I, I, I had been playing for a while and um, different games. I had left Dungeons & Dragons for a while, played uh, a lot of West End Star Wars, um, played a lot of that game, played oh. some Palladium games oh, yeah. and, and stuff along the way and, and some different stuff. Um, but really, you know, I was... It's, it was one of these things where I was working at a company. I was doing website stuff and um, I was getting to kind of the, to the point of something like, am I really doing what I'm interested in? Is yeah, this really yeah. what I would like to do? Um, am I going to be here for 20 years doing these things? And um, I just really started thinking about some of that and i i really kind of challenged myself and kind of pushed myself back to is like what are some of my core interests and mm -hmm. i was just like well I, I love film and television i love novels and stuff but one of my my first love was tabletop role-playing games so yeah. when i kind of arrived at that i was like okay i want to do something with tabletop role-playing games mm -hmm. and um i started looking into kind of different ways to do some of those things. Yeah. Um, and, and really, you know, it's, it's, you know, I don't want to get too heavy here or anything necessarily no, for your audience, but um, it was about, you know, 2014, well, 2013, I guess, you know, some of these things that brought on some of these thoughts, right. In 2013, my dad passed away mm -hmm. 2014, a close friend of mine who uh, had played uh, role-playing games with me a lot. Um, he had passed away. And uh, when I was at his funeral and he play tested a game called Anarchy with me when it was a, a D10 system way back in the day and he played a lot and so at his funeral i met you know i was seeing people i hadn't seen in 20 years right you know and i met some other friends who had played with us in the group and and there was a question from like four or five people they were like what did you ever do with anarchy wow and i was wow. just like i didn't finish it and i put it in a drawer or on a computer thing you know somewhere and just left it yeah. and you, you know thinking about you know mortality and thinking about that and thinking about you know my job and stuff i was mm -hmm. just like okay i'm gonna publish anarchy 
and I'll write Shane's name in it and I'll dedicate it to Shane. And, you know, and that I thought might be it, but I, you know, kind of went through the process. It took me a long time to figure out. Um, I pulled out some of the stuff. I pulled out some folders and some computer files. And I was like, nobody could run this game except for me. Um, so that doesn't work when you try to sell something. So, you know, so um, I kind of started looking around the internet. And this is when I started discovering some things. And I discovered that the D6 system that West End used was dropped into the open D6 system uh, under uh, the OGL, which could yeah. be uh, used by somebody. So I grabbed those rules because I know them by heart and I yeah, threw anarchy system. into that system. Um, it took me like a year or more. So it was wow. like the end of 2015. I released it and I had one of those experiences where, you know, I released the game and I made like $50, you know, that first <laughs> month and it doesn't seem earth shattering or anything, but I was just like, this is what I love, right? I was yeah. like, I love role-playing games and people bought it and I got some, you know, I got some feedback like, oh man, this is really cool, you know, and just a little feedback. And I was like, I wonder if I could make this work. I wonder yeah. if I could do something with this. And so um, just from kind of that point, then I started thinking about, uh, you know, what do dungeon masters, what do game masters want? What do I need? What kind of products could I make? Um because, you know, like I said, I had been running games, you know, since I was nine. Um, I had gotten a lot of feedback over the years that my games were fun. And so I was just like, okay, well, what can I create um, that would give people joy and also maybe, you know, make me some money here or there? And um, it turned into uh, something that I hadn't really expected because, I mean, it's now my full-time job. So that's what Incredible. I do full-time. Okay, so speaking of bringing people joy and writing and whatnot, could you please tell us a little bit about the Spaceport Gambit? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, the, the Spaceport Gambit is my first novel that I uh, released in 2021. Um, that was another project that kind of came um, out. I had had the idea of you know, I don't know, probably around 2000 or something, you know, like years ago. Yeah. Um, and um, kind of one of those things where, um, you know, the pandemic had just been going kind of on at that point. And it was just another one of those moments where I was just like, I've always wanted to write a novel. Mm -hmm. Why don't I write one? <laughs> and um, so I really put my mind to it, wrote uh, the Spaceport Gambit and put it out. And um, uh, it's kind of a space opera with some corporate um, kind of uh, corporate backstabbing <laughs> and things in there, but in a far future um, uh, with um, uh, a, a wide cast of characters and mm -hmm. that who are um, uh, kind of growing tired of their corporate jobs and looking to start kind of afresh and start their own thing. And um, yeah. it's kind of some themes that I was working with. So. I was going <laughs> to say, yeah. So, and I noticed it, it's, it's book one. So presumably, I mean, there will mm -hmm. be more? There there uh, should be more. I have about 90% of the second book kind oh, of in cool. rough draft form. Okay. Um, actually, uh, 
I have it on my agenda here for the early part of 2023 to really uh, get nice. it into shape and uh, see about getting the second book out. So yeah, so hopefully it eventually, hopefully it will be at least three books and um, oh, it will, okay. it'll tell a, 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 uh, a nice story of uh, Gwendolyn Shepard Davis and her uh, intrepid uh, uh, crew and her staff uh, who are building a rebuilding a re uh, kind of uh, an abandoned spaceport that's called Redcliffe on a far, far flung planet. Very cool. It's uh, again, there's just, you, you've, you've done. I think I could use the so term much. prolific pretty, pretty yeah. safe, pretty <laughs> safely here just because of all the material that you're working on. I mean, Obviously, your tables books, then you have your novel, um, and um, you know, you have you're available for speaking podcasts, your writing. I think you even mentioned, I don't want hopefully, I'm not stepping out of bounds here. I think you said you have what about 16 different projects going. Did I have that right when we were talking? That's what I heard early yeah, on, yeah, yeah, at, at least. Um, yeah, I have a number of books, a number of more random table books that I, I want to get out. I have, um, I have another uh, a novel that is not connected to the spaceport gambit that I can't really talk too much about. Oh, yet. Of course. So hopefully, yeah. um, hopefully that will appear at some point. Um, but yeah, I have a lot of role-playing game books that I want to get out. Um, uh, also my uh, game that I originally released as a campaign setting for 5e, which is called Realms of Understreet. I want to take that and put it in its own, own system. So that is something well, that's on the horizon. Wow. Since since you went there to 5e, <clears throat> um, and, and this I, I bring this up, um, and we can go as far or as not as you would be comfortable doing, but um, especially with all the random table work and whatnot. So as we're recording this, something that's very hot in the like social media verse and especially the Twitter verse is um, the little bit of news and the lots of people commenting on uh, Wizards of the Coast and the coming change to the D&D OGL. And I'm, I'm curious as a creator, as someone who you know lives in and well beyond that world um you know you've seen a lot you've done a lot what's what's your thinking about that like you mentioned the you know using the d6 system which i mean i love i cut my teeth i for the first like 20 years of rpging i didn't really know there was more than the west end star wars and i was completely content um but i i'm curious what you think about just OGLs in general, um, the little bit of scuttlebutt we've heard about what wizards might be doing and what that means for a creator like you, given what you do. Yeah, and um, that is really interesting. I I've been trying to find out what's going on myself. Um, yeah. Fortunately, um, uh, the only title that I have really released under the OGL is Realms of Understreet. Mm -hmm. um, uh, now, it is interesting with Anarchy, they they used uh, the Open D6 system used the original OGL, I believe, from uh, Wizards of the Coast. So I don't know how Anarchy or what that will be affected by, but um, Realms of Understreet um, uh, should be affected by some of those new changes. So effectively, what I'm going to probably have to do is take uh, Realms of Understreet as it is now off the market and re release it as its own system um, okay. because um, and you know like I'm not a lawyer I don't know what they're doing or whatever and you know I have no bones to pick with them I mean it's mm -hmm. they can mm -hmm. they can do a lot of what they want to do right. um, 
uh, and all that. So um, uh, there is a clause in there that says something like, uh, if you release under the OGL, they can claim ownership of it. And so, you know, uh, Realms of Understreet, I created that, right? That's my trademark. Um, that's my IP. And um, I don't want even a hint of the possibility of losing that world because I yeah. created that world in 1999. And um, uh, so I don't even want the possibility of of losing that world. So yeah. I'm going to you know, take it down and I will rework it and release it with some rules that, you know, aren't you know, aren't, you know, somebody's property or anything like that. And um, uh, so it can be back out there. But yeah, I don't, um, you know, I, I don't, you know, since obviously, I'm, you know, I'm not a lawyer and, you know, my random table books aren't released under the OGL because there is no Dungeons and Dragons content, you know, right, content right. in them. They can be used for Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, you know, Tunnels and Trolls, 13th Age. They can be used for any fantasy RPG. And that was very awesome. intentional because I, I didn't want to at the time to release a lot of projects under the OGL. And the main, or the only main reason was is because I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> and, you know, I read through the original one and I was just like, okay, I get the, the main idea, but I could have been missing something. So that's why I wanted to make sure I released you know, the lion's share of my books without, you know, using the yeah, OGL. Smart. It makes sense. Have you heard from, from folks that use your, that use your books that it isn't necessarily confined to D and D because I, in all honesty, when I first found them, it was under the context of Jason and I doing some potential gaming and pathfinder. Interesting. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So mm -hmm. I have to imagine right. you're, you're able to paint a broad swath in terms of, of people yeah. who would use this, use the material. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that, that was, uh, you know, my intention really going forward is just like, you know, I, I totally understand that, you know, Dungeons and Dragons is, you know, probably 98% of the hobby. So I, I totally understand that. Um, but I wanted to make something that anybody could use. I wanted to make something that if you're running D&D, &D, if you're running Pathfinder, if you're running, you know, 13th Age, if you're running whatever, you can use that. And, and then the same with not only the fantasy books, but with the cyberpunk books, if you're running cyberpunk red great but if you're running a powered by the apocalypse cyberpunk game you can use the tables as well um you know or you know the the modern book if you're doing a d20 modern or if you're doing a, you know um mutants and masterminds or if you're doing you know whatever you're playing you can use my books for whatever and so that was that was very yeah. intentional that um uh, that people could get, you know, as much, you know, enjoyment out of them, no matter what systems or the site, you know, the science fiction books. I wanted people who were playing Star Trek, Star Wars, you know, any variations of those. I wanted them to be able to use those, or if you're playing Traveler or or whatever, um, to be able to use those same books. And so um, that was, you know, that was very intentional, um, uh, just because I didn't want to yeah. to limit, you know. The, the books to to one system just out of curiosity because we you, you were you were kind of listing off obviously a number of systems and we talked a little bit about a couple before we hit record um jason and i are kind of nerds when it comes to dice mechanics so we yeah. we could we could we could go down a rabbit hole on that and i won't i won't waste your time by going too far but <laughs> do you have even outside of like d20 mechanic obviously which is where all of us spend a lot of time um any others you're a fan of or fond of just from your experience in writing the, the, the books and the material that you've written? Yeah. 
Um, I mean, there's, you know, obviously there's quite a few, but I mean, we've already touched on one, the old West End Star Wars D6 system. Oh my gosh. Um, that was, um, I, I don't know when I, I mean, I, I discovered that book, I believe it was like 1987. I got my first printing book right over here. Um, I saw it in the store. It was probably only a few weeks or something after it came out. And I just lunged at the bookshelf, you know, because I just never knew it was coming out or anything. And I grabbed that thing. And when I got it home and I and I read, you know, the rules, it just like was like, oh, you know, I can just grab these dice, yeah. you know, roll six sides and then you know, we're good. And um, so I, I just loved that system. Um, uh, as for, you know, a, a newer system to so, you know, to come a little bit, uh, you know, closer to present than 1987. Yeah. Um, the Star Forge, the Iron Sworn Star Forge uh, yeah, mechanics, yeah. Um, when I, I stumbled across that and, and read those mechanics, um, I was just like, you know, I, w I was just kind of taken by those because, yeah. you know, rolling the two 10 sided dice plus, mm -hmm. you know, a six sided dice plus a modifier. Um, it just creates your difficulty number right there. And it creates, you know, the success or failure or, or success and failures with complications right there on the dice. Um, I, I thought that was uh, I thought that was fantastic. And so, um yeah, I, I love a, a lot of different mechanics. I also, I'm very fond also of uh, uh, percentile dice systems. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, let's go, we can go way back um, to the FASA Star Trek uh, system, um, the old uh, uh, percentile system they use there. Um, I, I loved that system and huh. I have... Uh, modded that system to, uh, you know, I don't know to what I, you know, I made up things so you could get medals and, you know, <laughs> you know, everything on Star Trek. Like if awesome. it was in the show, I, I modded that system awesome. to be able to accommodate some of those things because, you know, right. I mean, you're watching the episode court martial Kirk has medals, you know, you're watching measure of man data has medals. Well, there's no medals. So I, I have to make a medal chart and give you percentages so you can win medals on your different tours and, Oh, that's cool. Um, you know, so and then like what well you have previous tours, right? Because it's a life path system. Well, what ships did you serve on? What's their name? You know, I mean, come on, you you you've got to know, you know, what the name of your ship was that you oh, served yeah. on. If you served on the Potemkin or you served on the Poseidon, um, you know, but right, because the game master can use those and pull those in, right? You know, the um uh, first officer you know now on you know the enterprise whatever the enterprise i or whatever you're playing with in the future um you know the first officer you know the game master can drop something and have a mystery and you could say the first officer could be like oh you know that that happened seven years ago i was i was actually the um the chief engineer on the poseidon That's cool. six years ago when that happened and right, that can be a clue to just drop into it. So I modded that system like crazy and added all kinds of stuff to it and um, had a ton of fun with that. But so, yeah, sorry, you yeah. mentioned Star no. Trek. I warned no, you no, before no, this is we great. started, oh, do we it. started recording Go. that Go. I, once I start talking about Star Trek, I can't <laughs> stop. So we, We've joked about maybe we should just become a Star Trek podcast <laughs> because it would save so much effort trying to redirect ourselves. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. And on my podcast, I just released a huge discussion of Star Trek The Next Generation with um, yeah, I saw with that. a guest. Yeah. It's in multiple parts. I think still a couple more parts are coming. And, oh, wow. Uh, 
because uh, I had derailed. I had interviewed my guest, who was Ryan McCarg, who is a game designer and a podcast host. And um, we had derailed the episode on a discussion of Star Trek Two and Star Trek Three. And so I was oh. just like, "Hey, why don't you come back on and we'll nice. just talk about next gen?" And so he he came back on and we talked. I think the total time ended up being. I think it was over five hours. That's and so I I divided it up into a whole bunch of different episodes. <laughs> oh, well, that's that's good. That's that's helpful. Thank you. So okay, so yeah. since we're here in Star Trek, oh, I'm curious what you think. I mean, right, I you're obviously a TNG guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um I mean like, I love the original series as well. Yes, but no, no, I don't think it has to be mutual exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I will I will always be TNG for better and worse, definitely for better. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious what you think about some of the newer shows, the storytelling, the plot lines, things like that, you know, Discovery, Strange New Worlds. Um, I mean, there's actually, there's like, like, it's like the gold, the new golden age of Trek right now. It's, Mm -hmm. it's inconceivable to me now looking back to 87 when TNG came out and how incredible that was at the time as a, as a, Mm -hmm. as a, a barely teenager, um, like how could there be this much new Trek now with these production values and these writers? So I'm a little biased, but I'm curious what you think about it through your lens. Yeah. Um, and that's hard for me actually to talk about because I have not seen much of the new Trek. Um, mm. uh, just because uh, you keep talking about how prolific I am with my writing. It's just, I don't have a lot of <laughs> time a to watch TV. <laughs> I don't have a lot of time to watch some shows. So um, I have not seen... Uh, any of Strange New Worlds. Um, oh, I, so I I watched the first, I think, episode of Discovery when, um, oh, way back um, when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my wife and I watched the first season of Picard. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we haven't watched the second season, but um, I have mixed feelings about it. I think, um, you know, and like I said, I can't talk about some of the newer shows or some mm. of the other ones or the animated shows. I haven't mm. seen any of any of the uh, the animated shows, um, you know, and I think it's a mixed bag. Right. I mean, obviously, um, the production values are off the charts. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can't even I, some of the effects and stuff that they're able to pull off. It just blows me away. And then, um, I mean, you got Michelle Yeoh. So I'm usually if if she's in it, I just say it's good, um, you know, or I give it a check mark up if right. you got Michelle Yeoh in your in your show or your movie, uh, because I mean, a huge fan of her, you know, from the the 90s and the early 2000s when she was burning up, uh, you know, the Hong Kong cinema, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So huge mm-hmm. fan uh, there. But, uh, you know, I, I I do have, you know, some reservations about some of the storytelling. Um, um kind of the 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 biggest with Picard is the the one I could talk about the most in the first season of Picard. I have some reservations be, just because of the way um I don't know, just the way of certain certain characters are handled and I mm-hmm. think this is this was also a problem that I saw in the newer Star Star Wars movies like, you know, um the, the you know the force awakens and yeah and the last jedi and, and and rise of skywalker and it's just that um the idea say of picard kind of being you know broken down and a lonely old man kind of thing um or from the star wars you know sequels it's just like luke is a broken man han's a broken right. man they're all um just to me right 
they have, you know, obviously what the writers are trying to do, they're trying to give them an arc, right? They're trying to give them a character yeah, arc. So I yeah. totally understand that. But my problem with that is, is that they've already they've already had their character arcs, right? Like yeah, Luke yeah. already had his character arc. Han was the you know, the smuggler who would shoot Greedo first. Um, and he was, <laughs> yes. you know, he was that, but then he became, he was going to become a stable, respectable general and husband and father and things like that. But then we find out he's actually broken and he, he ran yeah, off yeah. and stuff like that. And the same kind of with Picard, right? We had, we saw Picard as a professional and, and all of these things and respected. And then, yeah. They're just not anymore. And I, I don't, I, I, you know, it's like I, I, you know, and not even that I'm qualified to do this, right? Because nobody's hiring me to write their TV show right. or anything, but, um, <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, to me, it just, it, I, I don't know. It just seems like uh, mm -hmm. they're looking for that arc in some place where yeah. they just don't need it, right? And yeah, it's, that's fair. Um, you know, um, and, you know, some of the, like I said, some of the effects and some of the things, I, I'm just amazed. I, I am kind of looking forward to the third season of Picard because everybody's back. So um, I'm going to try to watch the second season here and then um, hopefully see the third season. So um, I want to see what, what they do with some of the characters. And, um, you know, I and, and I think one of the issues, too, right, is that, like, um, some of these, you know, some of these franchises, especially like like Star Trek, right? The fans, right, and I'm including myself, right? I've been imagining, right? Like I was yes. imagining yes. what Picard would have done after, you know, he's moved on yes. from the Enterprise for a That's long right. time. So in my imagination, right what can you make actually that's better than what I've imagined? Because I just think it's, you know, I think it's great. Right. You know, um, um, I, I do kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I do kind of lament kind of the, the loss of the professionalism, right. That Picard was a professional, that right, the Starfleet right. are professionals at what they do. They seem to have kind of gone into more of the, you know, bickering and arguing kind of side of things, which um, I think, and I, and I understand yes. I, I've, I've read yes. all the stuff, the, the writers say, Oh, well, it's easier to write people who are yell, yell at and yell at each other yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I get that, but uh, you know, um, I, I, you know, I don't get to make my job easier when I, when, I, when, <laughs> I, when it gets hard. So, um, you know, uh, I would like to see, you know, professional people who have good intentions working to solve external mysteries and and challenges rather than have just people, you know, yell and bicker at each other all yeah. the time. Yeah, that's 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 totally fair. I I I mean I'm I'm happy to watch any trek within reason that comes out. Um I really, I it's some has been better than others. I thought Picard season one was was it great? There were great episodes. It was definitely very good to me. Um, season two, I'd be curious what you what you think of that when you watch it. I uh, beautifully acted, beautifully done, but um, not necessary as a story. And then when it comes out after the fact that well, it took place in the past in L.A. because they could afford that. 
it's like okay that's it, that's what you're saying right that's then then don't then don't do that we can wait we've waited for 20 years i'm good waiting another few more years if you want to do this right so fingers crossed for season three i will say strange new worlds matt mm-hmm. real surprise to me uh already after the first season as a diehard tng person it is a close second to tng what oh, they've wow. accomplished with the storytelling is just and the acting and the i mean everything it's just i think it's some of the best trek ever made oh wow okay yeah. well yeah i have not got to see any so I'll, it's it's i'll put it on the list 16 projects from now you need to take a break All right yeah absolutely i gotta I got ask before because we've kept you along and i appreciate it before we wrap up so obviously tv is sacred tv has been sacrificed in the name of of work and everything do you ever have time to game or are you, yeah you know, yeah um actually it, it's been it's been awesome the last few years because really because the popularity of 5e um i know so many people who are in you know who are a lot younger than i am who are in their 30s and 20s um and even late teens who want a game and they're nice. willing to game with like anybody uh because it's a game and they're ready to go and so yeah we we have a game every tuesday night we usually do um we usually do 5e um one of the one of the perks also is that I have been taking a break from game mastering. Um, nice. Uh, that I I used to just run constantly, but now everybody's kind of you know chipping in and they they want to run you know a lot of campaigns and things like that. So I've really only been GMing when I want to and when I have a good idea for a campaign. So that's been nice. So I've been getting to play quite a bit and um, having a lot of fun with that. Um, and uh yeah so we play every tuesday night and then uh, occasionally we'll try to put together a different you know maybe a, a session here or there where we can play a different game or something like that um uh so uh so i can kind of uh see yeah. some other systems um but yeah mainly it's been 5e the last few years but uh i really enjoy playing D&D actually according to the rules because like I said when I was a kid uh, there were you know the rules were were made up at my whim because I was usually the dungeon master and that's um, great uh so yeah I've been having a lot of fun uh gaming with that and then uh yeah my wife and kids will play uh some uh some video game while I'm uh role playing with my uh with my friends and that's, uh, so that's it's awesome. been uh it's uh been a lot but uh yeah, yeah, you know, um, I, I think it's, I think, to, you know, talking about golden ages, you were talking about the golden age of Trek. Well, we're yeah. in possibly yeah. the second golden age of role-playing games, yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, absolutely. You know, that mm-hmm. uh, the popularity of 5e has just raised all the awareness of so many other games. Um, yeah. And yeah. I mean, it should, right? I mean, 5e is great and it reinvigorated the hobby and, mm-hmm. um uh, just opened it up and of course the internet with all, all the all the shows and YouTube videos and tutorials people can learn um you know all about role-playing games and of course you know guys like our age now are making TV shows and writing and so they put, put references to uh, right. Dungeons and Dragons because that's what they were doing in the uh, early right. mid 80s and all that um so it's just increased uh the popularity so much um it's just been awesome and so uh it, it's really it was really uh um i guess uh fortunate to really start dice geeks ramping up right when so cool. uh yeah. the popularity of dungeon dragons was exploding um yeah, because well i was done. i was barely aware of 5e you know in, in oh, 2014 or 2015 yeah um and then um i uh 
kind of became more aware of it in 2015 and asked my group if they wanted to play and everybody was in <laughs> and uh you know and it was just like um you know it just started exploding and everybody was playing and yeah i'm i'm i meet people now all the time and they're like oh my you know my daughter plays you know oh my son plays oh you know we we used to play back in college and we're trying to play again and i See? i'm just meeting people all the all the time doing that and so um that's great uh, i mean it's just amazing but yeah i mean we can you know, and if we want to talk more about, uh, you know, the random tables or whatever, I'm I'm game. I have, uh, I have you some know, well, time here. I, I, I appreciate that because I, I was meaning to ask earlier and we kind of drifted inexorably towards Star Trek as we yeah. should. But, I mean, how – you have so many random table books out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you come up with so much? I mean, I, I know they're not super thick volumes, but it must be so – cognitively creatively intense mm -hmm. yeah and it's um it is one of those um it is one of those things where it, it kind of started with uh me starting to run some D, D again and then thinking um oh i need a table right like i yeah, need a random yeah. table for this and it kind of started with that um and just the idea that i know everybody the the easiest way to cut down some of the load on a game master is to have a random table for something. Right. Um, right. That is just one of the best ways to take some of that load off of your shoulders. Um, because, you know, one of the, one of the worst things that I, that I hate is, you know, you go into a room in a dungeon and there's the ring that's inscribed with, you know, KMC, and that's what they need to find. And so the first player who says, I roll perception, gets that ring. Um, and then the three other players say, oh, I want to search the room. And the, and the DM says, you find nothing. <laughs> you find nothing. Yes. You find nothing. And I, I just, yeah. I'm like, that's just a, you know, this is yeah. like a kill on, yeah. on your player engagement and, and stuff. So, you know, so you can have a random table and just roll on there. And even if it's a rotten piece of wood, right, you've given those players something and they know then the next time they go into a room that they might find something in there. And, you know, heck, it might be, you know, 1D4 gold pieces one time. It might be a dead rat. It might be the rotten piece of wood. It might right, be, right. you know, a, a weird plant growing out of crack in the wall or something, but they're going to find something um, to, to make that room feel a little bit more real, a little bit more substantial than just saying, oh, well, each room is going to have the clue or one magical item in it and, you know, or a chest with some gold pieces in it. And then we're just going to move on, um, you know, but adding things, you know, like a snake in a cage or a, a love letter or something just so that the, the DM can grab onto some of those. Um, I think is, is, you know, is great, uh, yeah, you know, and cool. it adds a ton to the game and yeah, you know, and as far as cognitively or creatively challenging, it is, um, uh, you know, like I said, the first ones really came because I was like running a game and I was like, oh man, I need this one. I need, I need a table for this. I need a table for that. Um, but uh, you know, also, you know, it's, it is one of those things, right. I, I've been doing it for a long time. So, uh, I, at certain points, got used to, you know, making stuff up on the fly. So now I can just, you know, make it up and write it down. And that way, you know, it can help people. And of course, 
Um, and, you know, and of course, I just knew that random tables are something that, you know, game masters and players really want from just back in the day, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. running, running D&D. All my players love the random tables. You know, I would sit watching Voltron just rolling on the random tables in the books. Right. You know, Voltron, um, yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, uh, you know, just thinking about the game or, you know, even next gen, you know, coming out, uh, you know, sitting there watching it rolling on the random table. And then I just remember back to when I was playing, you know, West End Star Wars, um, they didn't have random tables. They didn't have a lot of random tables for, uh, right. you no, know, no. for Star Wars. So um, I had made some, right. I had made some for that. And I just remember being in a session and just like pulling out the random table and my players are just like, Oh, oh man, Oh, we're searching the cargo hold of this, you know, this freighter and he's pulling out a, a random table. That means there could be some cool stuff in it. And so, you know, that's what just kind of kicked off the random tables. And I, I, and you know, I want to make running games as easy as possible for people, right. because if people don't run games, then where, where's the hobby go? Right. Um, mm-hmm. you know, one of the, you know, uh, one of the worst things I, I, I hear, you know, I hate to hear is like, Oh, you know, well, uh, I would love to play, but I don't have a game master or I, you know, I've, you know, or we have a couple buddies or a few friends and we want to play, but we don't have a game master. And you're like, well, one of you should run the game, right? right one right. of you should run the game and then you should switch and somebody else should run the game. But if you think it's hard or something like that, um, random tables will help you and they will only help you um, cut down some of that load, add, you know, some interesting bits here and there to the games. And um, uh, so that's what I've been trying to do. And I want to make sure that as many people who, you know, who want to can run a game. And so this, this, you know, the greatest hobby in the world doesn't die out. You've, yeah, you've very cool. It, it was interesting to hear you talk just because obviously I know your material from making it ease of entry into gaming again. That's exactly how it made it easier yeah. for yep. Jason and I to do it. Mm-hmm. But you brought up something that was very cool to hear is that, you know, by using them too, you're driving engagement. Like you said, if, yeah. if it's a linear thing and someone gets a gem and someone gets a rock and, you know, someone gets a plant, at least, especially for those that you're trying to get interested in, um, making it easy for that, that GM or DM to be able to drive that. That's just, I'll, I'll be honest with you, on my app, I guess I was thinking my epic, I never thought of it that way before. And it actually kind of, it, it makes me think now about the next time I play yeah. or I lead, because Jason and I do some duet gaming or whatever the case is that maybe Jason, I won't kill you off so quickly next time. There it is. So, but Hey, we're running up on time. Cause I know we told you, I think half hour to 40 minutes. So, and I, we could go on for hours and I don't want to, I don't want to, we don't want to impose upon you, but Believe. if it's okay, we'd love oh, to have you right. back just because we could talk yeah. Trek for hours. And I would love to get more into, um, <laughs> Just some yeah. of the tables and your experience DMing. We could probably talk well, hours about your experience. Well, and and not to mention as as I mean, no pressure, no rush. But as novels two and three come out, mm-hmm. it'll be fascinating to to just talk about those. I mm-hmm. think that would be really cool. Yeah. yeah.
Absolutely. Re- really appreciate you spending time with us tonight. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, you know, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. Um, I want more people to enjoy the hobby. Um, I'm interested in your guys' games. I mean, uh, you said, you know, I want to know what you're playing and what you're running. Um, you know, so, um, you know, I mean, that's the dangerous question, right? That's the, always the dangerous question. Yeah. No, we appreciate that. It's that that's our running joke internally because we started getting back into gaming and then it's like, hey, we're having these conversations all the time. Let's hold ourselves accountable. We'll, we'll do a podcast that, and, and it's been great, but the little bit of time we have for playing is just completely going right. Like recently we, we decided to change our format temporarily to bi-weekly just so that we have more time for planning and honestly building the brand and seeing where do we want to go right with with all of this so that we can stay immersed in rpging and just have fun with it um someday we aspire to play right reg- someday i aspire to play regularly i i know you do too but but yeah. I, i'm speaking for myself i i i you know it's you know i i, I want to i don't with- i don't sit for hours on end listening to your inane droning on a podcast because i don't want to play <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. That's that's fair. So, but no, we've known each other for a long time, Matt. We we jam no, each other. No, we just yeah. we just don't normally hear put it on the podcast. But I had yeah, to yeah, totally, yeah, we totally yeah we yeah we do. Um, but I will I will say going back to some of the things you had said, Matt. Like I I think the 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 West End mm-hmm. game. I still like I I look at my 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 shelf. I think the I think the GM guide that yeah. came out from West End. Um. Mm-hmm is just i think it remains honestly i'm biased but i really think it remains one of the best gm guides yet to be written um i mean you know you granted it's 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 very cinematic right that's the thing um we actually we had the the privilege uh last september um of 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 interviewing bill smith right who and and it was just like it's like talking to royalty it's like it's like i mean you know this stuff is changing so many people's lives and then then you you fast forward and you look at all the stuff you're doing with the ram tables and you you'll actually i want to mention again uh, because we were talking about this prior to recording but for Mm -hmm. our audience um highly recommended from both brad and me the no prep game master right or how i learned to stop worrying and love random tables and um i don't know which of us found this first but we both maybe i did this it was you but because i read it first um and obviously it's not a long I, i actually think i read it in a sitting i think i sat down one night and i just read through it and um and it was really just almost revelatory in like the the strength of the argument of you really don't have to sweat it and here's my here's my logic for why not and and i have to say that one it was like one of those books where you you read it you can sit down and read it quickly and then you put it away and then you just kind of have to accommodate it over time and it's like yeah the more i think about this the more i go back to this the more i can see how yeah this this argument is sound it's especially if you're willing to utilize random tables to take that load off it's like oh this makes this makes a lot of sense and i think we're starting to also see then really first rate um source books that are starting to incorporate more 
random tables, like from the the big bigger publishers, not not just not just D and D, but I'm thinking like you know like the Genesis stuff and and just the stuff coming out there, and it's like there's more and more random table material that like the publishers are recognizing has value which is what you've been doing for how many years now yeah yeah since yeah. uh 2015 really right um 2016 is when i really got going um yeah and and thank you so much for you know talking about the book there the no prep game master and that and that was just kind of my reaction right because you know we're all talking online about you know the the matt mercer effect with you know people having yeah. to you know the, the the dungeon master has to be perfect but the players don't really have to do anything and stuff like this and you know or or running a you know of course there are newer games that are kind of where you know designed where you go around and ask the 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 players what's what's happening here and stuff like this but like all that can be done with D D right like if yeah, yeah, yeah. if my player says um oh what's on that island over there i can just turn that around and say well you tell me what's on that island over there right like yeah. um I, I don't need to have that whole load on myself if you know if the island i wasn't creating the island and it's not, i wasn't right. planning on you to go there well you know you tell me something that's creative on there and i'll, I'll tell you you know a lot of times i find that my players are you know they're either as creative as me or more creative right it's not that they're yep. you know yep. in in you know really any case where they're less creative than i am right they're here at a role-playing game they're wanting to make up stuff they're wanting to have fun introduce you know stories into the yeah. into the world as well so um that that book to me was you know just some of my thoughts you know in That's reaction cool. to some of this and of course there's been even more talk just recently with like a, a dm shortage kind of thing and yeah. some articles going online and stuff like that and yeah I, I chimed in on that a little bit on reddit and stuff but like um the idea you know um i had heard a quote i can't remember who it was by but th they were talking about something else but they said if if something is worth doing it's worth doing poorly and i have that has always <laughs> stuck with me i know it's that's, funny that's awesome oh my you god you know but that quote i can't remember who said that but it stuck mm. with me because yeah. what if if running a game that's worth doing yep. you, you don't have to do yep. a perfect job yeah, and right. you know and then you know and then players right like um how many players are perfect how many players you know know every single rule about their character how many players you know uh, show up and you know and oh. are, are typing on their phone and stuff it's just like well yeah, yeah. if you're gonna run a game like yeah. you know you can take a time you know yep. you can pause the game to look up a rule i mean that's yep. frowned upon but like hey if that's what you need to do that's right you know stop the game and look it up um yeah. you know or make a simple ruling and move on even mm -hmm. if the players are like oh that's not the mm -hmm. rule well you know it's just like then you can run the next campaign right that's the you run it or tell me what the rule is and i'll just do that as long as you're not cheating right as, as long as you can trust your players i mean um you know i i want people and like i said in the book right i want people to be able to say hey let's play Dungeons and Dragons, or let's play Star Wars, or let's play Star Trek, and no one should freak out about running the game and say, well, I haven't prepared. You should be able to run a game right now. I should be able to DM yeah. both of you guys right now. Yeah, beautiful. Um, just making up stuff, um, you know, letting you guys make up stuff, me adding in, you know, I'll control difficulty numbers and yep. throw situations. Yep. You know how your characters work. I mean, we're all friends, you know, we're all work together. Yep. And then that shouldn't be some big thing where, you know, 
uh, a game master or dungeon master is expected to, you know, to prep eight, yeah. 10 hours outside yeah. of a session. I mean, who has the time to do that? Yeah. No, you know, now, it. you know, if you're, if you're a live stream or you're Matt Mercer, well, you know, if, if I was making, you know, probably north of $40 million a year running Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, I'd prepare. I'd have a staff of writers writing that's right. stuff, you know, yeah. but that's not the case, right? We're, we're, you know, and what it cases we're running home from work. We're dealing yeah. with, you know, spouses, we're dealing with kids. And then yep. it's like, oh, I got my two hours or three hours to game. Um, I didn't even get to think about it hardly yeah. before we start. And, so and you want to use but, the time. Yeah. yeah, ease of ease of but you should still should play. Enjoy the yeah, that's all, that's excellent, know? and I, that's and that's what you've been able to do for for me and for yeah. for Jason is just if, based off of searching is allow us ease of entry back into it without necessarily yeah. always having to feel like we need to produce critical if, world type if, material when it's just us. If something's so, worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. poorly. We're gonna come. That's yeah. <laughs> that's my. I've I've coined that model in 1990. You know. You really did. <laughs> so, <laughs> starting with college. Um. Hey. Yeah. Thanks. Seriously. Thanks, yeah. thanks so much. So much. For your yeah. Time tonight. We'd yeah, love absolutely. to have you back again. Yeah. And talk yeah anytime. Yeah. Anytime, guys. Well, like we talked about before. The interview truly a, a really a real ambassador of the game you can mm -hmm. just hear him it gets a real joy ambassador. out of playing yes. yeah and and i can't remember if it was during the recording or afterwards but he he said something that resonated and it was there were two things he mm -hmm. said two things one was Please stop calling me oh no, yeah, no that, that wasn't okay, three things three sorry, things sorry yeah um one of them was he loved to hear about our games and what we're playing and how we're playing yeah, and that was neat. And some people might, and I'm not saying any of our guests, some people might just say that out of courtesy. I think he, I, I, you can tell he yeah. actually enjoys hearing about how other people game, if they use the materials, how exactly. they use them. Yep. Any improvement? Where does he, where did we think, you know, he mm -hmm. could improve or mm -hmm. what our opinion is on it? Yep. Um, just, we didn't even get a chance to talk really about, and it would have been interesting. We'll have to have him back how he got into doing the publishing, what kind of work it takes to get it published. Yeah, we did you know. not go into any of the nuts and bolts when we, we next time. Yeah, next time yeah. we will. But that there's this whole thing. And then the other yeah the other thing he mentioned yep. was the other thing he mentioned. Uh, and it really when got I'm point, when I'm pointing at you, uh, that means that you're supposed to jump in. Yeah, smooth. Like the that. the other the other thing he mentioned, which it just it I think it it both it made us both pause and then kind of lose oh, it yeah. because it, it it's deep, uh, as he said and he was he was citing someone else he didn't remember who it was but um but he passed it on to us and you all heard it and we want to really reiterate that in this episode now, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing poorly, and on the face of it, that sounds ridiculous right like like Brad you and I are both very much not that way, right? Mm -hmm. We tend to, when we get into something, we tend to commit. Uh, I think certainly for me, and I think for you too, there's the risk of, of overcommitting of, right? They, oh, yeah. You know, oh, we, yeah. I, I don't think either of us for is me, very yes. good at, yeah, definitely. Me too, right? Who, who dips their tone to something? <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I'm going to do this entirely, right? Yeah. And and so, you know, the notion of if you're going to do something, do it well. But but as we discussed uh, with with Matt, 
that's not the point. You know, his whole notion, as he told us, behind the Random Tables books, behind so much of, of his creative endeavors and output, like, like DiceGeeks.com, is and has been just do it. Just get into it. If you care about it, if it brings you joy, if it gets you going, you don't have to be great at it. Just, just go do it. The analogy I thought of after we got offline was like, like downhill ski. Okay, something neither one of us has done, yeah, as far correct. as I know. Nope, nope. Cross country, um, yes. Downhill, no. Yeah, cross country, downhill, no. If you go in and decide you're going to start doing something, you're yep. not going to start at an Olympic level. No. Um, you're going to start. You're going to fall. You're going to be on the bunny hills. You're going to. Yep. You're going to do that. Do you want to do it? Then do it and start poorly and do better. Same thing for, you know, I'm a golfer, have been in the past. Mm -hmm. um, I've been golfing for 20 years. I'm probably a hair better than I was 20 years ago. Right. Um, I could give up or I could still do it poorly because I still enjoy it. Same right. thing with gaming. And for me, it hit home because of, I think I talked about this earlier, um, my own need for preparation. I never, I set too high a bar for myself. Right. Right. And then it makes it difficult to game. Um, and when he said that, like you said, it gave pause. Um, why not just sit down and do it? And if it's and if it's poor first time you learn from it, but how many times have we had, even with my homebrew area, relatively mediocre pre preparation, but it was still fun. And I mean, I, I think that's right. I think, you know, it takes anything takes practice it takes experimentation it takes learning it, it it it's not about oh i should be good at this the first time you know that that comment really got me going and i've been thinking about it since you know I, because we we actually interviewed matt just a couple days ago as we're recording this right now and i've been thinking about that comment since that point pretty consistently uh, if you're going to do something, do it poorly. And, you know, so I have I have two thoughts about this, and I think they're complimentary, uh, mutually complimentary. I didn't say anything when we were speaking with Matt. But for me personally, what immediately came to mind was piano. So <laughs> I'll, I'll add on when you're done because uh, it's yep, funny I, you bring good. up music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought about you and, and guitar. Uh, and I imagined having this conversation with you already. Uh, I thought about piano. You, you and I have talked a ton about this. I mean, you've been instrumental in in my journey of getting back into music, and and you know, as you know, like I, I basically took six months off. Part of that is just because the last semester was just the busiest in a long time. But I basically took six months off, and you had said to me at the time, sometimes you just have to do that as a musician. And I, I use air quotes for musician as applied to me, but still, you're like it happens. That's just part of it, and. And that helped. And in looking back, you know, clearly you were right. It was like, okay, no pun intended, but as that time dwindled away, I started getting jazzed to play again, right? And and I started sitting down semi-regularly. And then, you know, over winter break recently, this last month, we we traveled a bit. And so, like, as we record right now, I I think I've sat down once in the past three or so weeks. And I'm starting to, it's just, you know, settling back into the schedule and everything. It's starting to itch again. But to bring it back to this notion. That's when you if, use like a analgesic cream or a zinc based. Yeah, perfect. Good. We'll just okay. click that explicit button. Okay, so, yeah. so um, 
to so I had to censor all the things I want to say. So <laughs> I know, stand I can, by I can operator. See, I can see. I can see. It. I can see it churning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, click. 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 Okay. Clear. So, <laughs> so this notion of if you're going to do something, do it poorly. I was thinking about that today in the car about piano in my life. Of you know, the whole point was to go and and have fun and learn it and experience the joy of it. And this isn't something like as a major life goal. Like I'm not going into piano, right? I think like when it comes to things like work, school, whatever, then no, you're not going to do it poorly. You're going to do it as well as you can, big picture. Knowing you can quote unquote do the little pieces poorly along the way because that's called learning. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. That well, I think you know we could go. I mean, that whole topic in itself is interesting because we yeah. both know. I mean, we don't you don't go to school, grade school, middle school, high school, college, you know, graduate, post grad. Yeah. You don't do it because you know it already. No. You go no. to you 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 go to learn because you don't necessarily know it all. Yep. And the one thing I've learned from you over years and years um, is um, none of us, you, me, our friends, any, all five listeners, yep. um, anybody, we never stop learning. No. Um, it's one of the reasons I find interesting. I think we did it ironically when we had Jim Johnson on. I asked him what we asked him what was on his desk and what he was reading. Yes. And and he was reading and I cannot remember. It was, it, it was, he, but um, he's, he's, he's so, he's like a sponge and he's so prolific. He's, he's reading and writing so much constantly. Yeah. But he's constantly learning. We're yes. constantly yes. learning. It, independent of gaming. Um, you know, I went to, I originally came out of high school with scholarships to study music. I was going to be a classical horn player and I decided to do that. And decided to adopt the, if you're going to do it, do it poorly model for my college career up until um, my my yes. latter twenties. Well, and but, I mean, it, but but in all fairness, that was that was perhaps because the do it poorly model. You had seen that as the whole model, not yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah. So that's, that's you know, true. That's important. But, but but you know, the point is, is that we're always learning anything we're going to do. Music, you know, me picking up my horn again and starting to play in my forties, or picking up guitar in my forties, or us yeah. learning to play yeah. to GM or GM. We're going to start this and we're not going to be perfect. We aren't going to be Twitch worthy. You know, heck, we were barely podcast worthy in terms of our gaming excursion. Jury's still out. Yeah, I, I think the jury came back in as guilty, not worth it. But, <laughs> but, 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 you know, the point is, is that I think making that comment and him talking with a passion about making it accessible to everyone and the way he talked about gaming like going going from dungeon room to dungeon room and giving something to everybody it was there was that was great was a, yeah you know i never how simple is that to make it intriguing for those those pcs sitting at the table to just throw them a bone yep even if it is what was it a rotten wood bone yeah um rotten piece of wood um because that creates engagement, yeah, and that drives interest and excitement about gaming. Yes. So, yeah, that was I a, think those. That's well those were the things. It was just. It was a cool conversation. We could have kept him on, much like all of our guests. We could have kept him on for hours, and he was willing to do it. I, I was going to say a, that that was really yeah. 
Yeah, neat, neat guy. Looking forward to having him back. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, I, um, yeah, go ahead. to the GM. I, I just told you. Yeah, I was going to say, we should probably walk over to the GM corner, yes? So what has been on your desk lately, post, post New Year now? Yeah, so uh, it's not on my desk yet, but I'm hoping tomorrow... I meant to pick it up today, and then I was most of the way home from seeing a friend for coffee and realized, oh, I forgot. And then the bookstore was closed. You and I actually were talking about this the other day. I think I'm going to pick up a copy of the first Expanse novel. You're reading it it right now, yes? Yes. Yep, Leviathan. I I just started, but you mentioned it, Yep. so I paused it Oh. because then I figure – we will probably read at different oh, that's velocities. Awesome. Yeah. But I figure I've talked, we've I've joked with you about us having like a book club episode where we pick a book. We don't right. read it during right. it, but we talk about it. Yes. Um, but I thought I'd even if we don't necessarily talk about the book on here, I thought we could read it at a similar Oh no, that's time. yeah, thanks. That's great. I will definitely pick it up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um I I just I meant to do it today and I forgot. Uh my local bookstore, shout out to Next Chapter in St. Paul, Minnesota, wonderful place. Um, they have a copy or several. Uh, I have been intrigued by the the basic backstory of the expanse for a few years. I heard I heard an interview with the two authors on planetary radio not more than a year or two ago. You know, it's COVID year, so I don't know if it was five years or two years ago, but I I think it wasn't all that long ago, and uh, they they were so interesting and they they talked about because the guest or the 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 former host Matt Kaplan he he was a real fan so he'd read the books, and so they were talking about the basic notion of this is in my mind it's near future because it's not like out by Star Trek time, but yes. I realize it's not technically, but we're talking solar system colonization. And I yes. find that very provocative, always have. And um, this notion that you've got the Earthers, right? Because we've got Earther uh, 3D6 dice, as said, yes. and I've been wanting to use those. Uh, and so you've got the Earthers, you've got the Martians, and you've got the asteroid belt, you've got the whatever. I, I, after... I've been thinking about this on and off for a while, and then you had mentioned you were reading it, and we started talking about it, and um, and I'm just going to, well, especially now that you've paused the reading, I'm going to pick a copy up, because I think, I, I've been reading a lot of nonfiction lately, I that's usually what I do, I finished the book I had picked up on our travel It's not going to be a light so. read either. If, if no, looking, I don't think if, so. I know, I'm not no, looking it, for light. Like yeah, no, I know you're yeah. never, and jokes aside, you never really are. You don't necessarily look for light reading. You yeah. are someone who likes to challenge yourself. Well, so. I just, I, I want to be intrigued and entertained. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've read books that are lighter, but, yeah. but, but no, so that's good. So no, that's what's almost on my shelf, Brad. It will be there in the next day or so. Um, uh, Leviathan's Wake, first book of the Expanse. I just think I had to, well, kind of like we're talking about, if you're going to do something, do it poorly, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to give myself permission. I know this is a little compulsive. Had to give myself permission just read the book. You don't have to be interested in the series. Just yeah, exactly. read the book and enjoy it. So that's what I'm going to do. What uh, What's on your desk? Oh, I already told you. I have mine. <laughs> I'm I'm holding until you get it. Um, I've been working through um, 
the original. I'm working through the first book of the Doom trilogy, the original trilogy. Oh, excellent. So those were the two books that were on my uh, yeah. Talk about not table. light reading. No. So um, I'll pause Dune when we when we switch over. Sure. Okay. Um, I have the ability. I tend to. I'm. A, I t I taught myself to speed read years ago. Yeah. And the problem right. I have with books is I have to to consciously and actively teach myself and keep myself in check to read slowly. Yeah, and and get it. And get it. And enjoy rather it, than, yes. Rather than move because yep. I move fast with material. And, and you can't I, help but miss. No, and and I and I tend to get 90% of it, but it's that last 10% with fiction that you don't want to miss. No, agreed. Um, Absolutely. And the reason I did the Expanse book one is because as part of, I don't remember if I talked about this last week, but I don't think so. Um, as part of my Christmas purchases, I picked up Green Ronin's The Expanse RPG. Oh, you had mentioned that. That was another thing that kind of motivated me to reconsider The Expanse. And because it is a 3D6 system, and we have been yep. really engrossed yep. in. 3D6 with our modern age project that's kind of hanging out there that we want to do. Um, yep. But that and this is one I kind of kind of. Uh, oh, and I'm so, if I may interject. Uh, yeah. Thanks to Troy and the gang at Green Ronin just for keeping us in the loop. Uh, yeah. We love their stuff. Great people. Oh, yeah. I you know like I said I have the Expanse and I have Modern Age um, sitting upstairs because of some of the stuff that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the one that has been on my desk literally the past couple of days since we talked with Matt unusual game um, I picked it up at Christmas time from Odiphius it's called the spy game yeah and unique uh, perspective it is I remember growing up and for a while um, playing a, a really rudimentary tabletop game with the old james bond rpg uh -huh. where it had all the characters from bond um this is not the same game um but the idea of playing a spy and so if we're going to do something do it poorly um, we'll just do a one shot i'm I in figure, it i'm in i figure i figure we'll look and schedule my i'm setting a hard date i'd like to try to have us do this next week or next weekend not this coming weekend. You, you let me know. But next week or next weekend. You let me know. Um, it's based off of the 5e mechanic. Mm -hmm. um, and it is, it's a role-playing game of, I'll read it here. This is Spy Game, a role-playing game of international espionage, secret infiltration, and cinematic action as you create an original character, your agent, to save the world from the other mercenary agents and government organizations that hold plans for their enemies. Bum, bum, bum. So, um, different it's, than anything we've, we, any game that we've It's done. funny because I just watched with, uh, I just watched with, uh, my wife and was it both of the girls? They want, yeah, they wanted to watch it. The girls wanted to watch it. The sequel to Knives Out. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen the first one. Oh, I, and my wife did not like it. I did. Um, part of it is it's a unique role for Daniel Craig. He, he you know, he's really quite a good actor. Um, yeah. It's really funny. It's it's a cute movie. That's what I, that's what yeah. I've heard. I mean, yeah, it was funny. You're not it's you're not gonna 
you're not going to be intellectually challenged per se, but it's entertainment. It's good. No, that's right. That's right. So that's what's on. There's more, but that's for another week. All right. Well, that's what I'm focusing on. Again, Matt Davids, thank you so much for joining us on Dyson Mind. It, it really was a pleasure. We're looking forward to talking to you again and to using so much more of your material going forward. Uh, everybody out there, as always, thanks for listening. Be well. Stay well. We will see you in two weeks and with more announcements. Bye-bye.